Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 445. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 20 through 25. Let's read our passage. Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. It is written in the law, I will speak to this people by peoples of other tongues, and by the lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Speaking in tongues, then, is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church assembles together, and all are speaking in tongues, and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all are prophesying, and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all, and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. This is Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, the church he had founded five years earlier. And now he's in Ephesus on his third missionary journey, and he's sending this letter to the church in Corinth. They have issues. They got a lot of problems, a lot of confusion, and Paul's sending this letter of correction. One of their problems is that they are so concerned about how they look, how they appear, who's the most spiritual, they're wise, who, which leader they follow is the best. It's, it's a lot of pridefulness at work in the church, and they think they're the, the most wise. They think they have the most knowledge. They think they're the most spiritual. These people who think they're so spiritual have the gift of tongues. And so Paul's dealing with spiritual gifts in general, but really specifically focusing on the gift of tongues in chapters 12, 13, and 14. Chapter 12, he talked about diversity. No, everybody does not have the gift of tongue. The Holy Spirit gives diverse gifts to people. The Holy Spirit works through people in a variety of ways. And it's diversity within unity, that they all work together to build up the church. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up the church. And the Holy Spirit does it in a variety of ways. In chapter 13, he talked about love. Love is foundational for Christian community. Anything done away from love is improper. And trying to use spiritual gifts without a basis of love is doesn't work that way. And these gifts then become useless. And then chapter 14, he starts talking about the idea of intelligibility. That if nobody knows what's being said, then it's just making confusion. It's alienating people from one another. And remember the context. He's talking about public worship. He seems to be acknowledging that this spiritual language driven by the Holy Spirit to praise and sing to God is appropriate in a private setting, but not in pub worship. Then last time we were, he was looking at really how this unbridled use of uninterpreted gift of tongues within public worship, its effect on believers, it alienates them to one another, makes them seem like foreigners to one another, and creates wedges between people. 
Now today he's looking at its effect on unbelievers. What happens with unbelievers when you have this unrestricted use of tongues in public worship? So verse 20, he says, Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. This is really a slap in the face. If you pause and think about it, you just think, okay, he's just saying, okay, you need to, need to think well here. But one of their issues is they think they're so smart. They think they're so wise. They think they are so mature. They think they are so spiritual. And so he's challenged them now not to be childish in their thinking. They wouldn't think they're childish in their thinking. They think they're very mature in their thinking. He said, no, don't be childish in your thinking. Be adult in your thinking. And the implication is because you are not doing that now. He does say, be infants in regard to evil. So when it comes to evil, you should know nothing about that. You should be ignorant when it comes to evil because you don't go there. Well, that's not what they are doing. Remember, back when we talked about the whole issue of going to the pagan temples and participating in their worship feasts, they were puffed up about their knowledge. We know things about these pagan temples. We used to hang out there, and we know about the gospel now. So we know these pagan temples don't mean anything, so we're just going there to eat the food. And Paul turns around and says, well, if you really knew what was going on, you wouldn't have anything to do with those places. Here he's giving them a, well, a challenge that, all right, if you really were mature, if you really were spiritual, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. He goes on, verse 21, it is written in the law, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Okay, this is a loose quote from Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. Very loose. He leaves a lot of things out, changes a few words here and there. And he, he does say it's written in the law. And by that, he just means generally the Old Testament, because it's really in the prophets, in Isaiah. And what's happening in Isaiah at this time is it's the, the downfall of the northern kingdom of Israel. And what the Lord is saying through the prophet Isaiah is, you wouldn't listen to me. I spoke to you plainly through the prophets in your language, but you wouldn't listen to me. So now what you're hearing is the foreign language of the Assyrian Empire, which has brought the judgment of God upon you. So maybe you'll hear the judgment of God in the language of the Assyrian army. But you're not going to listen to me. That's the whole issue. You're right why you're in the mess you're in, because you wouldn't listen to me. So then the transition to verse 22 is confusing because, they, okay, what's that really got to do? And he's really just using the idea of speaking in a foreign language and that this foreign language is a language of judgment, of negative aspect of language. So verse 22, he says, speaking in tongues then is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Well, prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. This is a confusing verse. It really is. Because one of the issues is, what does this really have to do with the first verse? And it seems contrary to what he's then saying in verses 23 through 25. Because in verses 23 through 25, he's saying, unbelievers come in and hear you speaking in tongues, they're going to think you're crazy. But if they come in and hear you prophesying, 
they're going to fall on their faces and, and become believers. So here in 22, he says, tongues are a sign for unbelievers, prophecy for believers. It doesn't seem to fit. Well, it depends on how you understand sign and depending on how you link it with the previous verse, with this whole thing of the foreign invaders speaking a foreign language. There, Paul's kind of taking that picture of the Assyrian invaders conquering the northern kingdom of Israel as this foreign language, as the sign of judgment. You sign as a negative thing. Often when we think sign, we think a positive sign. Well, a sign can be positive, a sign can be negative. A sign just points to something else. And so, to be straight here, there's a lot of different interpretations here as how to take this. I think the best way is that when it comes to unbelievers, tongues is really a negative sign. It doesn't draw unbelievers to the Lord, where prophecy, intelligible speech about the wonders of God, does draw people. And so that's a sign for believers. Well, it's a sign for drawing people to become believers. Let's go on and see if it makes sense as we move on. Verse 23. If therefore the whole church assembles together, and all are speaking in tongues, and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your minds? Well, if this use of tongues in the presence of unbelievers is a negative sign, yeah, because it's a sign to unbelievers that this place is crazy. Verse 24, but if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and called to account by all because prophecy is a sign for believers or for unbelievers becoming believers. Continues verse 25, the secrets of his heart will be revealed. As a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. So let's pull it together here. Paul's been talking about the unrestricted speaking of tongues without interpretation in public worship. And his challenge is that you know, when it comes to believers, it's very disunifying. It's the opposite of acting in love. It's ignoring the idea of diversity, and it makes people essentially foreigners to one another. It leaves people out. Somebody praying in tongues, you don't even know if it is a prayer. You don't even know if it's of the Spirit. You don't know when to say amen. It puts barriers between one another. That's the effect it has on believers. Now here he says, and the effect it has on unbelievers is they think it's crazy and it pushes them away versus intelligibility in public worship with unbelievers hear the gospel message, then they are drawn to become believers. So through this all, his challenge has been order in public worship. The speaking of tongues in public worship has no role because it alienates believers and it makes unbelievers, pushes them away. And remember, he's not given a tutorial of spiritual gifts about the gift of tongues, but just things we pick up along the way are, he seems to allow for it in a private setting. And he says, it is something that is directed toward God. 
that makes it prayer or praise. And it can has a, a positive aspect in that private setting. But when it comes to public worship, no, it has no place. And it's actually in opposition to the principle of doing things in love for the good of one another. And the very purpose of spiritual gifts is for the building up of the church. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.